0: Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios. This is Troy and Joel, and you are listening to Revive Thoughts. Troy, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, It's been a long week, as all weeks usually are, especially when you have two little kids. But this week's not... Going too badly for me, uh, and I got to preach today uh, in church a little bit, so that was fun. What about you, Joel? Excited. How are things going for you? I know you're Pretty very good. busy. You have something. You have a big trip yourself coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's actually probably been a while since we talked about it, but my wife and I are mission videographers. We travel um, and work with a missions organization and make video content, and we're leaving for South Africa in a couple days, and so we're kind of doing our final uh, touches and getting ready. Actually, by the time you're hearing this, well, Lord willing, be in South Africa. I'm working with some missionaries and some different ministries, uh, filming a lot of really interesting video content. And so we're doing we're doing another Revive convo. We got more sermons coming. Don't worry, listeners. We got we got sermons on their way. Uh, <laughs> but today, uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a conversation that Troy in the last episode made it very clear that he wanted he wanted to talk about it. oh yeah so because the last
0: episode we teased this conversation in our revived conversation series where we have uh little conversations about subjects people talk about but we we kind of tackle it from a church history perspective i wanted to discuss this one because this is a as uh, an important one and like i said we mentioned it last episode but if you're worried if you're going okay so where are the sermons Thomas Aquinas is next week. So I can assure you sermons are well on their way. And if you're listening to this episode, you know, way outside of when we aired it, then Thomas Aquinas is next up on your playlist. So just hit play on that. (laughs) But if you are enjoying these episodes, I have a topic for us this week that again, I talked about last week, which is this myth. I'm calling it a myth that persecution makes the church grow stronger. And I, I think this is not an accurate Way to look at persecution. I actually think it can be a damaging way to look at persecution, and I think that from a church history perspective, from looking at the church in the long arc of two thousand years, uh, it has not been not only not true, but actually more times than not, it's not true. So it's 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 a it's a fairly it's a very common thing though. I, I, and Joel, maybe you've heard people say this before.
1: Yes, I have heard people say that, and I have no idea how it could not lead to stronger faith in, I don't want to say the majority of situations, but in a multitude of situations, I feel like it's pretty clear that having your faith persecuted does result in more steadfast faith and more, you know, like a, a stronger identity as a believer, I guess you could say. I feel like there's plenty of historical examples of that happening throughout history. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I I know a couple examples of sure. I'm sure where you're going, but I don't think it's nearly enough to blanket statement at, at as it's a dangerous concept to believers. Uh, elaborate, Troy. What are you What are you talking about?
0: Absolutely. So uh, I think it comes from this uh, very old phrase. I believe Tertullian said it. He said, "The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church." and in the Roman times, there's no denying, absolutely 100% correct, that Christians were martyred like crazy, and their boldness did help encourage people to come to Christ. People would see that boldness and would see it as contagious, and they would want to know what kind of faith these people have that makes them, you know, glad I maybe not gladly, but yeah, I mean, they were singing joyful songs as they went to be eaten by lions and killed. Yet at the same time, even in the Roman Empire, we talked about how in Cappadocia, that the, the church did not really grow up there because it was persecuted to the point that they only had 17 members in one of their largest cities um, in the late 200s. So even under the Roman Empire, when persecution was too extreme, uh, it was very hard for the church to take root. There are many many similar examples the armenian church which was uh, persecuted under the ottoman turks and then the armenian genocide which led to the christians and the armenians being completely just removed from the area and killed to the point that they all had to flee. And I mean, they were fleeing with just whatever they had seeing many, many, many of their brothers and sisters in Christ killed. And to this day, Armenia is not a Christian area at all. It's a Muslim, extremely Muslim dominant area, even though at one point it was one of the oldest Christian countries in the world. Japan also had a bunch of Christians come to it. And if you listen to Elise's episodes, The Rise and Fall of Christianity in Japan, you would know that it was persecuted under the Catholic Jesuits. But then in case you're thinking, well catholic jesuits those aren't you know some people will say oh those aren't the christians right well that's fine but if you look at the evangelicals came in in the late 1800s and the japanese empire also persecuted them out to the point that japan is called one of the hardest mission fields in the entire world today so the faith did not grow the church should not explode in japan but it was under severe persecution right like the persecution was heavy and present and yet, we didn't actually see the church thrive in those conditions. We, saw, we see that the church today is still struggling to make any inroads with the Japanese people. But, but when we turn around and we look at the countries that have been open to Christianity, when we look at the countries that have been interested in Christianity, in the same exact region, move over from Japan to South Korea, which well and endorsed Christianity, and they have a gigantic presence of Christianity in it today. It's one of the most Christian nations in the world. Similar cultures... Similar parts of the world, one country decided to persecute the Christians to the point that they don't. um, I mean, they almost didn't exist for a while, and they do now, but it's tough. The other country embraced Christianity, was welcome to it, and despite a civil war that almost destroyed it with North and South Korea fighting each other, it's still one of the most Christian countries today. I mean, that one's a as plain a cut case as you can get, where two different countries, case by case study, one did and one didn't but it can continue. There are so many other instances where Christians are persecuted. Look at Germany. Germany also persecuted Christians. They persecuted a lot of Christians during the Holocaust. And Germany, I mean, you've been to Germany, Joel, how it's not known as an exactly Christian bastion, but it was persecuting them. If it was going to make the church grow stronger on a general broad note, you know, well, Why why didn't it? (laughs) Where where is that? You know, why didn't that become a place where Christianity sprung like crazy? It's because that persecution does not necessarily. Now that doesn't mean God can't use it. But even in the cases where people I think like to say that God has used it, most of the time one of the first places people point to is China. But I have, you know, visited China and I can tell you that China does struggle, though. People there do struggle with getting good theology, with getting good sources, resources, and getting good doctrine. And we see that the Church of China has grown despite persecution, but we have no idea what the Church of China's size could be had it not been persecuted, had it been allowed to freely spread, had it, you know, the communications between the churches not been cut so harshly and they hadn't been watched every second. We have no idea if it would be bigger, and likewise, it could theoretically be smaller, but i think china is kind of it, in rome are kind of the rare exceptions to the rule in general when christianity is heavily being persecuted it is difficult to spread the reformation maybe being one of the other examples but even then i think most of the reformers would have preferred not seeing their friends taken to the you know t- taken to the prisons and killed for the faith i think that we didn't see um, Europe really become a missionary sending place until the 1800s when things settled down between the Catholics and the Protestants, and they finally stopped the wars and the problems that they were having. In the 1500s, when the Catholic church was, you know, persecuting and getting rid of so many people, and likewise, you know, the Protestant England got a few Catholics too. But when they were in these big tussles, they weren't really sending people around the world to the nations. It was when they calmed down that missionary work and evangelic- you know, evangelization took off. And so I think that... I think the reason I think this can be dangerous as I think some people think is see the world around them, see persecution, maybe sometimes getting worse where they live and they think to themselves, you know what, this will just make everything stronger. This is good, gets rid of the tares, splits the tares from the wheat. And I, living in China, I'll tell you that the terrors are still there. In fact, Jesus says the tears will always be there, um, that the false prophets in and the, and the wolves and sheep's clothing, they don't stop coming just because the church is persecuted. They stay there the whole time. It's just, it's even harder for you to deal with them because on the one hand, you're dealing with persecution and on the other hand, you're dealing with the wolves and sheep's clothing. And so in my mind, I think this is just a dangerous idea because it can put your hope in something that I don't think God really looks on highly considering his words for you know throughout scripture for the people doing the persecuting is very very negative and he says he has the martyrs prayers before him in his throne room at all times so i mean he looks at what these people are going through as a big deal and he looks at the people doing it quite negatively so i don't know that we should look forward to it or think it will it will work out good for us in the end i think it can be very dangerous
1: so what's your what's your thesis statement overall then because again, people I think you're looking at this in a different l- way than what most people are looking at this topic.
0: <laughs> I know, but that might, maybe that's what we need to do is look, <laughs> look at this particular topic a little mm-hmm. bit differently. Um, and my thesis is persecution can be something God uses, but we shouldn't look forward to it longingly hoping that it will solve problems or make our faith stronger. And that also we need to recognize that persecution has also crushed the local church in places to the point that, you know, again, going back to Japan, when those believers got cut off, um, they had no way to pass on their faith, they couldn't write down anything, and within a couple of, you know, a generation or two, their children's children were basically believing in some kind of Shintoism blend of Christianity, not really the real Christianity anymore, and that was due to the fact that they couldn't write anything down. And so I, I think that it, it, it's, it's not a mature and healthy outlook to think that when persecution comes the church will automatically get stronger. I think that is mm-hmm. um, also not very empathetic to those who are pers- being persecuted around the world.
1: So I think, I think there's a few different aspects to this to an analyze. I think you're definitely looking at this for more of a, of a I, if I, if I had to summarize what you just said, what you just went through is that you're looking at it from the effect of can a global church sustain and thrive under persecution? And you're saying, no, probably not. Historically, we don't see the church thriving under persecution.
0: Well, and is, yeah, is that, is that even, fair to say? And even locally, we don't see if, area, if a particular area is very per, is is highly persecuting the church. It does usually take it does usually take that. I mean, it's hard for that church to get going there. It can. And I would agree. There with are that, underground yeah. churches for sure, but it's very difficult for churches to thrive or to bring in new members. And they sometimes do, but again, sometimes they do not. And um, it's, right. it's not a good thing. I don't
1: think right and and you know as you mentioned japan is a great example of that during the inquisition there uh it was very difficult and again the christianity that was there had trouble with their theology trying to just just do le- to lack of good teaching to good you know theology that was in the area because of how extreme that persecution was i totally understand when we're looking at the yeah the the health of a church and the uh, effect that a church has under persecution it's not ideal i don't think that's what people think of when they think of believers being persecuted though i think the argument is around individuals in particular and sometimes that I mean, manifests i've heard in people say small i've, I've bodies heard the quote what
0: I've literally heard. I said I've heard people say the American church would do better with persecution. It would be good if there were. I mean, like I've literally seen. I don't. People I don't think. So I don't think they're saying the American. Say that, tri-
1: they did right. the, the little and, phrase and, and is you the know, American I'm church. I'm probably in that camp. I would probably say that, that 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 Americans could benefit from being slightly more uncomfortable when it comes to how they conduct their worship. I'm I'm in that camp. Well, but okay. It's not. So let me
0: turn it on you. I may I made sure. my case for why persecution hurts the global church and hurts the local church, historically speaking. So why do you think it would be a benefit for Americans to be you know, it, it persecuted? Why would that be a, a, a good thing for Americans to because go through? Because I, I think that that would be very poor for Americans. I think that if you look at the places where Christianity was the freest, example, England in the late 1800s, America in the early 1900s, It was very good for the church and that it was also good for people in general, not everybody, but in general, it was pretty good. And we saw lots of people getting saved.
1: That's a a pretty good example. You said America in the early 1900s. You know, I also think of like a time where the areas kind of stink, you know, like the Great Depression in America was not fun. That, you know, early 1900s there, we're talking 1930s. There definitely is something to where when we have... All the luxuries in the world uh, we inherently it's harder to rely on God when we don't need to essentially when there are less luxuries we are forced to come to terms with why we believe what we believe and if we truly believe it we don't have to have those tough conversations when we don't have to because religious freedom is abundant our needs are met abundantly everything is handed to us uh, it's it's not a tough conversation to have. We can we can claim things without uh, ever needing our faith to truly back it up. In it a, in a, we don't have to sacrifice anything to hold to what we say we believe, right? In a, in an instance where we do, and I think that's when the concept of of persecution by faith. Uh, I, that's how I've always. Kind of seen that, and that's how I I feel like other people see it as well. But it's but not the Great so Depression much how it is not
0: persecution. I mean, not that I'm trying to. I'm just saying, like the per- Great uh-huh. Depression is not a persecution. During during the early 1900s, America sent sure so many so missionaries. There are people the
1: world. that would view that as persecution. Right, that's a hardship. I mean, do we need-
0: suffering, but not mm-hmm. persecution. Persecution is the church is getting you know challenged and convicted, and people are being you know the the church itself is being attacked. And everyone went through the Great Depression, church and non-believer alike, but under the times of persecution it is the church who is being kind of specifically targeted. Like hardship, oppression, suffering, the theology of suffering, I, you know, yeah, I could honestly agree with you to some degree. I think that, with, I mean, I actually preached this morning on the fact that, you know, if there's no thunderstorms in life, if you're never in the boat and a storm comes, you know, when there's places mm-hmm. where there's no rain are very dry. And so I don't disagree with you on the idea that suffering, hardship, oppression allows you sometimes to see God move. Definitely causes you to rethink what you believe, absolutely, you know, and ask those hard questions. But persecution is specifically a targeting of Christians for Mm -hmm. their faith and the things that they choose to uh, believe. And if you look at the countries throughout the last 200 years that have sent the most missionaries, who have done the most, you know, generous giving, uh, Britain. It was one of those countries, um, and very wealthy and very free to Christians. The United States of America was one of those countries, very wealthy and very free to Christians. And now one of the big stars of missions, you cannot, you know, hardly go anywhere in Asia without running into Korean missionaries. And South Korea is one of the most Christian nations and also is very free to Christianity, open to Christianity what well, you don't run into as much of are North Korean missionaries or missionaries from, you know, places where the faith is currently being, you know, from the Middle East, where they're Christian missionaries. Mm-hmm. They're not sent out from the Middle East very often. In fact, again, we're sending them to the Middle East because those places are deeply under persecution, and so the church is not able to thrive or do very well there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so again, you're looking at it from a from a structural view of the amount that the, the church is able to thrive under persecution as, as opposed to
0: I also don't think that we should that we should look forward and look longingly towards persecution we should always be willing to stand for no. the faith but I don't know that I, I think what I actually think is the opposite of I think what you think Joel I think that um if I can be so bold you know the Holy Spirit will give you strength so if you are in the moment of being you know questioned for your faith I think you rely on the Holy Spirit and he will guide you through it yet If you live a lifestyle of not living for the Holy Spirit, if you live a lifestyle of lacking courage for standing up for truth and for compromising, and you struggle, you know, like we talked about before with the lukewarm Christian, I think it will be very difficult for you. And I think that in actuality, persecution may be your end in your faith. Like there are people in the concentration camps in Germany and many other places who famously said, I couldn't do it and I just quit. I, I didn't want to be involved with that anymore. And I think that... You know i can't say what would happen. obviously this gets a little bit towards lordship and salvation i can definitely not go into that kind of group but what i would say is who you are before persecution starts sometimes that is also who you are during the persecution and if you are somebody who mm. lacks courage is not telling your neighbor about jesus christ when it's easy I'm not so sure and convinced that when, you know, when when the times are hard and the church is being shut down and, you know, you're told not to worship anymore, that's when you're suddenly going to start to do it. I think that in actuality, the fear comes in. It's It's kind of the same way where people will say, if you're not willing to tell your neighbor in America about Christianity, as a missionary, you're probably not going to tell your neighbor either when you go overseas. And I think that's true. And I think the same way, if you're not willing to tell people now when there's nothing.
1: I like I like that thought. I think that's a fun. I think that's a really interesting conversation to have, and I think we could elaborate on that a lot more if we had more time, which we don't. But I think I think so. So so here's my kind of revised take on that, based on what you just said. I Feel like persecution forces you to solidify in one camp or the other, right? It's it's almost like, uh, yeah. I mean. It, if if so, your your hypothesis there, your statement of you know you don't those people if they're not strong in their faith at home, what makes you think they'll be strong in their faith under persecution? But also in the same instance, uh, some people won't know what kind of person they are until they're under persecution, and it, it'll force them to either double down on their faith or to abandon it one way or the other. And so the the Christians that survive persecution. Are stronger because of it would you agree with that to a degree but I guess I would also say
0: that in the in the times that are free and good if you are walking around telling everyone you know about the love of the Lord if you are if you are embodying what it is to be a Christian I think you can move into a time of persecution with a little bit more confidence not because you're the works, of course not, but just because like you're walking in the lane and you know what you stand for. And if you're somebody who's a little bit nervous now, is not sure now, you haven't shared your faith with somebody in a long time, you know, you're not, you're not very open about what you believe. I would encourage you, don't wait till persecution gets here to start to try to take those stands. Take those stands now. Be, Be the courageous follower of God long before the persecution gets here, because historically there are a lot of people who don't, who do apostatize and who do walk away from church and who don't come back and I'm not saying that will be you, but I'm saying that again, and not in a workspace way, but just make sure you're right with God before the hard times come. And if you think hard times are coming your way, get get right with God before they do, because it will be, I think, more difficult. If you're if you're not following the Lord, I think it gets more difficult to follow the Lord. I think that's why the devil, I mean, you know, we believe the devil is a part of this. Well, I think that's why the devil likes persecution, because sometimes it can be churches, you know, the greatest courage the church ever shows, but there are times and places where the church is no longer present, and that the devil sees some pretty bad stuff happen. And I think that's why it continues to be used around the world. If it was ineffective and it didn't have any effect on the individuals or the local church or the global church, why on earth is that such a common tool that the devil chooses to go through Mm -hmm. in his tool bag?
1: So what would you say about all of these passages uh, where persecution is looked on favorably, right? We We see Paul and Peter and James all talking about how the testing of your faith results in steadfast faith you know there's there's mm-hmm. a benefit to uh, having your faith tested what, yeah i, mean, what I think is your those passages can apply just as easily
0: almost all of those passages can apply to the testing of your faith that doesn't require persecution your faith should be being tested you should be as a believer well, should be doing things to test your faith and grow
1: in I mean, your faith paul's Paul's directly, literally yeah. saying that I'm in prison because of my faith, yes. and it's better because of it. I right? think a, that, that is yeah. that is very clearly a religious persecution.
0: Yes, that I was saying, I was referring to the testing of your faith. One in Paul's True. case, and in the case of believers who go through it, I think we can all agree there's a special crown in heaven for the martyrs and the church that stands firm under the under the tests. I I don't think anybody would deny that the reward in them, that God clearly favors the martyrs and clearly looks at what they've done for the faith and says it's great and it's good. Yet... I don't know that that's something they should long for. I don't know that anybody in Jerusalem, when the church was getting started and when they were in Jerusalem and they were waiting to see what happened, I don't know that any of them are going, you know, it's, it's going good. We just brought a great, great sermon, Peter. You know, we just brought 5,000 in or you know, whatever the numbers were, but you know, it would be really helpful. And what would really make these 5,000 stronger is if we just got persecuted right now, right? Like that would be way better. No, like mm-hmm. these people should be trained and taught and discipled and then the ideal world doesn't happen, but if it does happen and persecution does come your way, the good Good news is is your faith will be tested you will be you will be rewarded in heaven for it and that that part is good but your faith will also be tested if you're not persecuted you're still going your faith will always be tested in this life
1: so hypothetical let's say <laughs> there's two Troys and there is one Troy that continues to live the life that he's currently living and there's another Troy that gets arrested tomorrow for his faith and he's put in prison and for five years He's told to recant and, uh, you know, has awful living. He's beaten uh, and he holds to his faith and he decides he's never going to uh, recant, even if it means that he'll die there in prison. And eventually he's let go and is able to return back to normal life. Do you feel like that Troy would have any closer of a walk with God than current Troy?
0: I mean, that Troy did well, it sounds like, so I guess it would probably be true. (laughs) But I also don't know that the other Troy, I mean, because you're picking like a very extreme circumstance, like where he's really, you know, pushed and pushed. On the other side of it, I don't know that the other Troy wouldn't also grow very strongly with God, because he got to teach lots of people about the Lord, and he got to pray and watch his prayers get answered, and he may have been used to speak to. I mean, we're just picking great hypotheticals, right? Like he got, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's Charles Spurgeon's faith, who preached to thousands and thousands and was very, you know, celebrated and all that. is his faith less than a martyr who was put in prison for 10 years I is I, I how on earth could you pop like, the Lord can but how on earth could you and I know whose faith was stronger George Mueller he was not persecuted but yet yeah, he had great faith right so like which of the you know who 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 had more faith George Mueller the martyr or the I, I the I have no idea. <laughs> like, I don't know how you would do that. And I think that there's no denying that the martyr and the prisoner has great faith when they hold on to Christ, and absolutely, they, they know the Lord in ways that some of us don't. But also, the person living in the free time who prays and loves and is charitable and, and follows the Lord and teaches and disciples and does those things is also seeing and interacting and engaging with God in ways that the other person is not I and I mean and I would like to have faith like George Mueller I would also like to have faith like you know a Dietrich Bonhoeffer who risked it all for God twice I I I don't know that they're as disconnected as we think they are but George Mueller's ministry encouraged thousands upon thousands to follow him and be like him and to see people pray and live like him and it was really incredible whereas martyrs and those who go to prison oftentimes they will watch people walk away from God and apostatize. And look at the um, Elise's episode on martyred by the Roan, the way they cried over the people who left the church and apostatized, how miserable and hard that was for them. And I go, Oof. you know, I don't know that I want to experience that, even though I do, you know, and that's probably why I might not get that crown. But I don't know that that would be something I'd want to choose to experience.
1: So, so, so I guess, so my, another question I got, I'm, I'm, I'm whipping, I'm slinging questions left and right. Sure. Uh, I mean, you say that we, we we kind of made a little bit of a distinction there between being tested of your faith and going through hardships and trials and persecution, those being separate things in your head, it kind of seems like. And, and I mean, obviously, by definition, uh, persecution has a very specific definition as opposed to going through various trials. Yeah. But I feel like you, I mean, I feel like persecution is a trial like that fits into the trials category sure i mean the guy who just
0: lost his wife is also going through a trial and is probably also
1: going through a trial of his faith correct and his trial of going through the loss of his wife is going to help his faith go stronger um but also in the same way persecution can help your faith grow stronger because that is also a trial yeah
0: can I never I never Can. said that it can't. I just said that I think it's a myth that it always will or that it, in fact is something we should yearn longingly for. But I, yeah, I mean, absolutely there's no denying that there are people who have been deeply persecuted for their faith and they grew from it and they will and I and I look at them and I go, wow, they you are a giant of the faith. But there are also people who in those same trials and and like any trial they fell. And I look at the churches in those areas. I, you ask most people who have been persecuted and you listen to them speak and a lot of times they're like, man, you know, you don't know what it did to my church in my area. Yeah, we saw miracles of God move, but it decimated everything. Like, it, it broke the whole spirit of the area. That wasn't a good thing. And they don't, they don't look at it usually as a good thing either. They, they can't wait till it's over.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, and again, I don't think anyone's gonna agree that Having your faith persecuted is good for the the longevity and the thriving of a church the church in general but I, I still find it hard to believe if you were to take a small group of underground churches church goers from a, an underground church in China and compare it to a small church in you know America same number of people same group of people that,
0: I, I, okay the, I, I can i can things. directly pu- well i can directly push back on this So, can, look okay. i'm not gonna criticize i'm not <laughs> i try not to criticize the underground church but but there is also some truth and they would tell you themselves that there is a lack of resources and a lack of theology sure. and a lack of knowledge and that they struggle a lot with cults and groups like that swooping in and taking members especially new members of the faith because no one has been there to disciple them and they kind of prey on them quite specifically that is a problem that happens in in, in especially china because they are not able to work out in the open so they get persecuted by the government they also get persecuted by these cults as well and that is something that does damage the faith and does make it harder and even strong believers though they know god very well they would they would tell you they would do anything to get a good book in their hands
1: yeah, I mean, but I think there's a difference between between good theology and strong faith, right? I mean, yeah, the reason so. that I they're putting so. up with that, and the I mean, they they wouldn't be putting up with that unless they had the faith that drove them, gave them that drive to try to seek it out, even though resources are hard to come by, even though the theology may be lacking at times due to lack of discipleship and lack of sure. knowledge. Uh, it's I, I feel like there's significantly less americans that would put up with that amount of inconvenience and uh potential imprisonment to try to seek out a relationship with god but that that is exactly i
0: mean that i agree and that's a problem i think that the opportunities for evangelism and stuff will shrink and that's we, you know, Americans are weaker in their faith. Okay. I Maybe that is the case sometimes. That's not... I don't think that gets better under persecution. I think that gets worse. And we could close the doors. I and mean, there's a reason why when hmm. people come up to church, we don't close the doors and say, ah, you look like you're going to be weak in your faith. Get out of here, right? Like <laughs> being patient with the weaker brother. Let's say mm-hmm. that's absolutely correct. Well, let's be patient with the weaker brother and hope that that persecution doesn't you know, come through and tear a bunch of people up because I think it would. I think you're absolutely right. I think the church would be... And America would be in trouble. That's that's what I'm saying. Historically has happen. And I, and I guess there is also a little bit, too, where comparing the faith of a Chinese town versus American town, look, faith comes from God. God will bless those believers in the underground persecution. God will bless and keep those who are in America that are his, that he, you know, is keeping, too. So, obviously, like, those things are, but, you know, we can't measure them. However, I, I just think that l- looking forward to going, well, if I get persecuted, you know, my faith will go stronger, da 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 I just Mm. think sometimes people cheapen that to the idea of like, my faith will get stronger because of persecution. So I'm just gonna kind of not, you know, I've, if only I was persecuted a little more, then I'd be growing stronger in my faith. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 don't, don't use that excuse. George Mueller didn't use that excuse. The greats of history didn't use that excuse. Wait, you do your best now and get and get to your faith now. Don't, don't sit around and going, well, you know, if only the Communist Party was here killing my, you know, friends and family, then I'd be stronger in my faith. Because I think people kind of, that's more of a vibe I get from things where it's kind of almost like, well, you know, if only I could be them, but since I'm not, I get to be a little bit weaker in my faith. And I go, no, 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 get, get in there and work hard. You'll love the Lord now put put your put your time in now and if persecution comes you'll be prepared and you'll be ready because you know you're following him before like i said earlier but if you're if you're waiting for it to come if you're just kind of sitting around going well i can't shine now but when persecution comes and the gun comes to my head that's when i'm gonna shine i would be very cautious i think that sometimes that is true and i think sometimes that that is not actually the shiny moment you think it will be
1: okay we're gonna have to call that uh call this episode at this point I found that really interesting. I feel like when you come out the gate, Troy. I feel like you particularly phrase it controversially. I know, <laughs> I know you don't intentionally, but it seems that way uh, until it's. It's just because the way you phrase things. Initially and, and like you're and, you calling know, me
0: like a conflict starter like Troy if you just phrased it better everyone agree with you No, I yeah. I love to use history to swoop in and kind of maybe fresh sure. off the cobwebs of the way We think because I think sometimes we look at things and it's not historically as valid as, as maybe perhaps we think it is
1: in our audience knows, you know, we always don't see eye-to-eye on everything but I feel like after I force you to uh, explain your terminology and stuff like that it makes it definitely makes more sense to me where you're coming from, uh, and ideally our viewer or two. But uh, but yeah, no, I find it I find it interesting. I hate the way you 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 phrase your uh, statements initially. Typically, is how uh, how these conversations go. I'm bold.
0: I say what I think, and people just kind of have to listen. No, I'm skin something like that. I don't. Know. <laughs> this is just the way my mind works. This is genuinely just when I look at things, I kind of go, okay, like what what is working? How does this compare to the way it's actually been? Um, and, and this is just literally both this last episode and this episode today, this is like, this is just how, how in my mind I think to approach it. And and obviously, obviously the first thing, even before church history is scripture and the Bible. And obviously the biblical worldview comes first, but I do like to use church history to also kind of, you know, it's like a laboratory. Like we've seen experimentation done. We can kind of test things and see how these things have affected believers and we can see what things have worked and what things have not. So...
1: All right. Troy, I hope you have a great week, listener. I hope you have a great week. I uh, hope you're enjoying these revived conversations. Again, we got more sermons coming at you next. Uh, looking forward to that. You probably uh, will have a guest host because, again, I'll be in South yeah. Africa. Um, we're not quite sure how we're going to record that next episode yet, but I'm <laughs> assuming it'll be solo by Troy or oh, we'll have yes. a guest host
0: we'll work it point, out so. for sure so everybody be praying for joel this week as it comes out and even if this comes out way later and you're getting to this months or years down the road, pray for joel anyway because i'm sure he can use it so <laughs> uh thank you guys everyone for listening to this one this probably be is good fun revived conversation but we're gonna get back to sermons here for a little bit just to get you guys back on track so because i have a couple coming out soon so this is troy and joel and you're listening to revive thoughts